this morning. My intention is to talk about the importance of community. And I think we just saw that. Um, Still going to preach. But what a powerful way. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Lori, thank you for sharing with us and being vulnerable. And I think of the early church and how, how God intended them to be and how He planted them to be and directed them to be. And we see a great example of that that this just reminds me of in Acts chapter 12. And the scene is that, that James has just been killed by Herod. Peter has been taken into custody. He's in prison. And just when Herod was about to bring him out in verse 6, that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. Now that's a wake-up call. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that they were, what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. Yeah, I think it was a vision too. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. But then in verse 12, we see a picture of the church and how the church was functioning. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. He knew where to go. He knew where the church would be praying. He knew that they gathered. And they knew that Peter was in jail. And their response was, let's get together and let's pray. Let's do battle on our knees. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, verse 13, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. He's still out there. <laughs> Knocking. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. Um, hello? <laughs> this is a good thing. Let me in. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And we see the content of what they would talk about and get excited about what God was doing. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. What a beautiful picture of God's church at work. God's church being the church and doing what the church should be doing. In the last 
few weeks, we've covered the, the different solas, different theological foundations of what we believe and why we believe it. And the word sola means alone, and we hold these truths alone, that in Scripture alone we read about Christ and salvation and the truth. And in Christ alone there is salvation. And in grace alone, by grace alone, we have been, been called and we have been saved because none of us deserve that. Through faith alone, our attitude towards God, our trust in God, our response to God. And then last week, Pastor Andrew did a wonderful job summing all of that up because all of it is to the glory of God alone. And every moment of our lives is to be to the glory of God alone. And that's a lot of alones. And so the, the series title was Sola. But how do we as a church put that into practice? And, and today I want to move from the theological to, to just the very practical. How are we to be the church? And so today's title is Non Sola, or Not Alone. And not trying to contradict, but while we hold these truths alone, God's intention for the truth is that we would, or for the church, is that we would be not alone. When we think of, okay, how do we bring glory to God as a church? How do we honor Him? Sometimes it's tempting to ask the question, well, okay, what kind of church do you want Village to be? You ever thought about that? What kind of church do you want Village to be? And we can come up with all kinds of answers. Well, I want it to be a friendly church, and I think they should have a, a really vibrant children's ministry for three, four, and six-year-olds. And um, it's a good thing, isn't it? Okay, a little biased. You know, and we can come up with this list, but this morning what I would propose, and as we go through this year of not my will, and as we look at various times throughout the year, we'll come back to that theme and say, okay, how does that work out as a church? I would suggest that that is the absolutely wrong question to ask. What do I want Village to be? Because the question we should be asking is, what does God want Village to be? What kind of church does God want Village to be? And that might be different from what I want it to be. That might be different from my whim of the day. It might be stretching. It might be very uncomfortable at times. The church isn't about being comfortable. It's about being godly and bringing glory to God in all that we do. And so this morning we want to talk about not alone. What kind of community does He want us to be? And we read in Acts chapter 12 a beautiful picture of a church that was gathered in a home praying because there was a need and they're meeting needs and going to God for each other and they're doing the work for the glory of God. And we see God answer prayer and do an amazing work. And they were encouraged. So this morning we want to talk about community and why community. For those that, that remember the sermon series on our, our vision statement, community is our second core value. Outreach, community, spiritual growth, and ministry. And community, the idea of being a body of believers, being a family of believers is core to who we are at Village and core to what God wants His church to be. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Just back a couple pages. And a familiar passage that does a wonderful job of showing a picture of the early church and how God founded the church. And I'll just warn you right up front, 
There should be nothing new this morning. This should all be old ground. This should all be ground that we're practicing weekly, actually. But we keep bringing it up, and God keeps bringing it up in His Word, because we as fallen creatures, we don't practice it weekly. We don't practice it all the time. And we need to be reminded, and we need to pound it in our heads. I know I have things like that. And so this morning we come back to the familiar. But we come back to it realizing it's God's plan for His church. Community in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And, and it, this starts a section that describes one of the most powerful descriptions of the church that we find in the New Testament. And it is amazing and it is inspiring and it is not out of reach. But we see a picture of community and I, I think I put a definition of community in your notes. Building real, encouraging, godly relationships that spur us to Christ's likeness, to ministry, and to outreach. Building real, encouraging, godly relationships that spur us to Christ's likeness ministry, and outreach. And each of those words is just packed with meaning. Relationships in God's church are to be real. We should be able to say, you know, it's been a good day. You know, I'm struggling. I need prayer. They need to be encouraging relationships that we are building each other up, that, that iron is sharpening iron, and we'll talk about that in one of our points today. But they also need to be godly relationships. True community can only happen with true brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the result of that is to spur us to Christ's likeness, to ministry, to outreach, all for God's glory. In Acts 2.42, we have the word fellowship. And we, we talked about that in a sermon a year or two ago. The word koinonia. And just by way of review, I want to give you the four points that we talked about. Koinonia means to share. And it's the word that is used throughout the New Testament to describe what God would have His church be. And it means that we share Christ in common. We share Christ in common. It means that we share God's work together to bring glory to God. We share God's work together to bring glory to God. We share our lives with each other. So we share Christ in common. We share God's work to common, in common, what we're to be doing. We share our lives with each other. And that communion is only possible because of God's grace. And fourthly, we talked about we share in each other's needs. Often as we live by faith, we share in each other's needs. And it's interesting because each of those works out actually from one of the solas, from theology. Because if we, if we live by faith alone, then we're able to share in each other's needs. If we understand grace, that I'm not better than anyone else, then I'm able to share in someone else's lives. If I understand that everything is to God's glory, then I'm able to share in God's work. So theology is one of the most practical things we can study. But this morning, why community? 
And, and I, I share this morning on, on, at the beginning of something that we're starting called community groups. And in about four weeks, we're going to be starting community groups where we get together and we practice community as a church. We've called them home groups before. We're changing the name a little bit because one of our core values is community, and so there'll be community groups, and, and they don't have to be in a home. But a community group is, is a group of maybe 8 to 12 people that are coming together and are studying God's Word together and encouraging one another that are living life together. And when you start something like this, the thought could be, oh boy, yet another program. Do you really know my schedule, Pastor Ron? I mean, I guess I could fit it in from 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. on Thursday nights. Anyone teaching during that time? And, and we can become so overwhelmed with yet another thing. And this morning, I, I don't want it to be yet another thing, but I want to share why it's core to who we are as believers and should be core to what we put into our schedule. Now, I understand that some of you are busy with church things four or five nights a week. And so, this may not be for everybody. And it, I'm not, my goal this morning isn't to, to guilt you in and you're not going to be let out of the, the back door until you sign up. You know, that, that's not this morning. So don't leave early in fear of that. Because I realize that there are all kinds of schedules. And, and I realize that each family has different stages of family life, that you fit different things in at different times. But I also hope that as I share the importance from God's Word, and as we see God's plan for His church, that we might think through all of our schedule and say, is there something else that doesn't fit God's plan that maybe could be taken out? in an effort to be the church that God wants us to be. So why community groups? And we'll be looking at a lot of Scripture, but we'll keep coming back to the Acts chapter 2 passage because there are so many different things there. And so I'd like to stop and just read the rest of Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Powerful passage, isn't it? We see a number of themes woven throughout. And the first theme that we see is that community is God's plan for His children. Community is God's plan for His children. It is His intention for His church. As you read through those verses, you see word after word after word that is community-oriented. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And you see that it's founded in God and who He is. But And the fellowship, the koinonia, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the, the, the imagery is all here of coming together and being community. In verse 44, And all who believed were 
together. And I would underline the words together because we miss them, especially in Western society where we have a personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our our faith is so personal. And we isolate ourselves and we die. Because that wasn't God's intention. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 46, And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. See, God's intention for His church was that of community. As we read through the New Testament, the context for so many of the commands to the church is always that of community. It's always that of relationship. 54 times we have love one another commands. And and many of you have studied those in a home group or, or in a Bible study or in some way. And it's interesting because over and over we have love one another and accept one another and encourage one another and, and pray for one another. But the context of every one of those commands is community. It is very difficult to love one another if I'm not with one another. It is very difficult to pray for one another if I never ask and if I never find out what's going on if I'm not with one another. There is no way that I can encourage you if I'm not with you. In some way. The context of the church is always community. See, Sunday morning service, what we're doing right now, this is not the church. Oh man, I got it in for the week. This is not the church. It's part of being church, but it is not the church. God intended so much more. There are so many commands that if you just come on Sunday morning, you cannot obey. And so community is God's plan for His children. We were never meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. We were meant to be the church as God intended it to be. It's interesting that throughout the early church, because of various reasons and because of persecution at times, because of a lack of buildings, the early church often met in people's homes. And it was often a very fluid thing depending on who had a home that could fit people or maybe they'd meet in several homes. And it's just fun. Let me read some of the verses we see. Romans 16, 3 through 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Colossians 4.15 Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Philemon 1 and 2 To Philemon, our fellow, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. And so from the beginning, we see a church that was committed to community. And you can't have church without community, I would propose. See, as our lungs require air, so our souls require what community provides. The theological foundation for this comes from Christ alone. The work of Christ. 
And we have to understand that if we're to be committed to community, we have to understand why we're a community. And community is a direct result of being in Christ. And the more we abide in Christ and the more we understand what that means, the more we will dwell in community because you can't separate the two. It would be like if my children said, I love you mom and dad, I love the family, and refused to talk to their brother and sister. No, you don't love the family. You're not even part of the family if you do that. Now, I'm not saying they're kicked out, but they're not acting like part of the family. And the more your children are committed to you and the family, the more they will be committed to each other. Not that there won't be little scuffles, little arguments over fire truck cars, whatever it may be. But community is a direct result of being in Christ. It's rooted in who Christ is. This morning, some of you may be thinking, he's going to burn stuff. <laughs> Maybe. If you, if you think of candles, in here I have a whole bunch of different candles of all different sizes. This one you can probably guess that we used it at Christmas time. There's all kinds of different sizes, and but it's interesting, a candle by itself, what power does it have? Not much. It can make you a little waxy. But it, it just doesn't have much power. But when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and when we believe on Him in faith, He is the fire that, that lights into our lives, and He is the strength that we have. And He is the one that turns a candle in, in, from some inanimate silly object to something that has power and has warmth and has strength. We'll light a bunch of these because I just think a group of candles is a wonderful illustration for community. Thought about doing wood. (laughs) Thought about what would happen if the church burned down. So we're going to do candles. And maybe just grab a couple of illustrations out of these. Let me get them lit here. But what do you see now as you look at the candles? What is your eye drawn to? It's drawn to the light, to the flame. And it doesn't really matter anymore that there's a whole bunch of different candles of different shapes and different sizes because the flame is what they have in common. And the flame is what brings them together. You can picture if you want a big bonfire here. But Christ, by nature of His death on the cross, by nature of His substitutionary sacrifice and that He justified us, brings us together into community. In verse 44 in Acts chapter 2, just a little word, and and I encourage you to notice the little words. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. At the end, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, this community was for those that believed. Those that gave their lives to Christ. 
And we see the Lord is the one taking the action in salvation and the Lord is the one that's creating community. And that's vital. Just turn with me real briefly to Hebrews chapter 10. We don't necessarily have time for this passage, but I really love it. So, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, and so we have two in verses 19 and 20 and 21, we have two senses, or since this happened, since Christ died on the cross and His blood has cleansed you, since He is now our great high priest, He is our mediator between God and man, He is, he is our defender and, and God sees us as righteous through Him. Since those things are true, and you expect, okay, these are going to be some great theological concepts. And it starts that way because in verse 22, we have some results of that. Let us do this. And in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And we could get into this, but the first, the first thing is then we can come before God with confidence. We are clean because of the work of Christ. We can draw near. And then verse 23, the second result, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So the second is to hold to truth. Hold to good doctrine. That since Christ died for us, since we are saved, we're to hold to what is true. So great, we have great theological concepts now. And then verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we've gone through that passage and studied it. But the third point coming from the, the, the cleansing blood of Christ coming from the fact that He is still in heaven as our high priest, as our mediator, the third point is, so get together. So encourage one another. Stop ignoring one another. And that's good theology. See, the root of why we can come together in community is the work of Christ. The saving work of Christ. And it brings new... Meaning to when we get together in a group of believers and we say, well, I don't get along with everybody. I don't have anything in common with them. Well, then you better start looking at what you have in common because you're missing it. So the question when we start to look at a group and when we think of going deeper in a group isn't do I like the people in the group, but it should be how is God going to use these people to sanctify me? to draw me closer to Him. And usually he, he uses people that annoy us to do that more than people that we like. Isn't that true? Because God wants to make us holy. And if we just look for convenience, we are stopping God from working. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity has some wonderful quotes on community. But this one is, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love somebody, you will presently come to love him. 
If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. Isn't that true? And his point is, it doesn't matter whether you feel like you love them or not. Obey God. Do what he says. And then, and then in what he's observed that is so true is that when we obey and when we act like we love each other, we grow to love each other. Community is God's plan for His children. Second why of community. Why we should be in community. And this comes back to the fire. In community, we encourage and refresh each other. In community, we encourage and refresh each other. And it goes both ways. We, we give encouragement and refreshment. We receive encouragement and refreshment. Romans 1.12, we read, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And so God has designed it where as we come together and as we knit our lives together, that encouragement and refreshment happens. Proverbs 11.25, whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. One who gives and, and helps and refreshes someone else well, will himself receive it. If we put these candles all together, and, and, well, they're all together, there's actually a lot of heat up here right now. But if I was to just take one off by itself, the heat just isn't there. There is, there is, there is heat because they're together. Earlier I was trying it and I just lit like half the candles. And it was really neat to see because those half then lit the other half. And we see the encourage, an example of the encouragement and the refreshment that happens. Flip over to Colossians 2, verse 1. Colossians 2, verse 1. And Paul here uses a word that I want to focus on this morning for what it means to be in community with each other. Colossians 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And Paul, as he talks about, talks to the church at Colossia, says that he wants their hearts to be encouraged being knit together in love. And that word for knit is, is a great word. If, if you care about the Greek, it's sumbabedzo. Can't even say that. Sumbabedzo. There it is. And, and it means to take pieces and knit them together into one. To take separate disjoint pieces and unite them. And what a picture of what God intends for the church as, as the Holy Spirit inspires this. He says, I want you to be knit together. I want your hearts to be knit together. Now, now to do that, that implies a lot of things. That implies that the, the disjoint pieces have to come together. 
that, that implies then that they're knit together. And if you've ever done any, if you look at your fabric, or if you've ever done any weaving or knitting or anything, everything's just woven together. I watch Kristen sometimes knitting her, her little things, and she, she makes something out of yarn because it's all woven together into something different. And you can't separate it anymore. It is one. And Paul says that your hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. And so to be knit together, we have to share life together. We have to share the common things. We have to, we have to spend time with each other. We have to share what's going on in our lives, the good and the bad. And as we are community and as we come together, God has intentionally placed us in the church families He has placed us in. Because community helps us weather difficult times. It helps us in difficult circumstances. It can help us as we go through doubt at times. As we go through trials in life where life just seems to be hitting us across the side of the head every other day. Community is what God intended to help us through that. Someone that truly knows you, the good and the bad, still loves you, and is willing to walk through life with you. And when we look at, at church and how can we do that, groups getting together is one of the ways I think that can happen. I can remember in our home group when we were meeting, there were some nights that I'd go home and, and be rushed, and I'd be like, I just don't even want to go tonight. Sorry for those that were in it. <laughs> I'd be like, I am tired. I, am, I just want to sleep. And now I have to go back out. And it was all I could do some nights to go. But it was amazing because every time when I came together with God's people and we studied God's Word together and we shared our lives together and we prayed for each other, I went home in such a better place. And my heart was nourished. My heart was refreshed. And I was glad that I went. Community is designed to encourage, to get us through difficult times. I can't count the times that we as a home group spent half hour in prayer, sharing and praying for, for each other. And I can't tell you how much that support meant as we went through some of the ups and downs of adoption and the ups and downs of infertility. And in that setting, we shared that and people asked and they prayed and they cared. And as a group, we got through that together. Something that would have been horrendous to try to get through on our own. God's plan for His people is community, but it's His plan to encourage and refresh us. We need each other. There was a pastor who went to call on an, uh, a man in his church that had stopped coming. And he went and visited the man. The man had a cabin and walked in and the man saw it was the pastor and he went ahead and opened the door, come on in, knew what was coming. You know, the, the whole talk about why aren't you there? You need to be there and all that. Pastor came in and he had a fire going and sat in front of the fire and just sat there. Didn't say anything. Looking at the fire. 
Now, now for you men, you understand that. We could sit there and just look at fire and not say anything. We're good. We're building relationship. It's awesome. Some of you ladies are your nuts. It's okay. It's a man's story. And after a couple minutes, the pastor reached over and took some tongs. And I don't have a real fire here, so I'm just going to use one of the candles. And he took one of the embers, pretend it's an ember, out and he put it off to the side, away from the fire. And still didn't say anything. And they sat there for another ten minutes with awesome brotherly fellowship. (laughs) After about ten minutes, and actually it started right away, you know what happens when you take an ember away from the fire. The ember ended up dying out and the charcoal just turned black, no longer red hot. And a few minutes later, the pastor got up, took the tongs, picked the ember up, put it back in the fire, and it lit back up. Stood up, said goodbye. As he was leaving, shook hands with the man, and the man said, I get your point. I'll be in church on Sunday. A wordless message about community and what happens when we choose to remove ourselves from community. And when we don't fellowship with each other, we remove ourselves from that encouragement, from that refreshment, and the ember dies away. Two other points about community that really flow from the others, and so we'll be quicker on these. We can accomplish more for Christ together than we can as individuals. We can accomplish more for Christ together than we can as individuals. As you read through the Acts 2 passage, you have a a variety of really interesting words like, awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You have illustrations of of people sharing possessions and meeting needs. None of those things could, could happen if there wasn't for community. God was using community to to just blow the minds of everyone that saw the early church and completely impress on them what God was doing. It's interesting with fire, again, fire is a great metaphor for so many things, but when you put a bunch of candles together, all of these flames are now higher than they were. On a birthday cake, maybe the flames join together, and at times these center flames are joining together. And they are so much more than if they were individual. And, and in, in the Christian context, with God working through community, it's the one place where two plus two does not equal four. It's a much greater number. Because the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Ephesians 4.16 says, For whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And we see a picture of the body coming together and as a community doing God's work. And we can do so much more. I was thinking about that yesterday at Second Harvest. Wonderful group out helping people and, and what would happen 
if it was just dawn at second harvest? We hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> We'd hear about it. Like you'd unload the truck, bag all the bags, do all the carrying for all the people. Joe's like, no, I know what time I get here. <laughs> it wouldn't work. It could not be done alone. But as a group, when we come together, God can bless and He can do so much more. The importance of community is that God can use community in powerful ways. One author said, snowflakes are frail. But if enough of them get together, they can stop traffic. Ask David and Julie about that. (laughs) See, community, as God chooses to use the sum, it also is a way that God uses to show light in a very dark world. We have a world where people are flocking to coffee houses, where people are, are, are doing anything they can, desperate for community, desperate for connection. And nothing's fulfilling because none of it's true community. In verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, the people were praising God and having favor with all the people. People were watching. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And He goes on to describe that as we love each other, the world will rise up and see Christ. And if we were to turn the lights out right now, because this is a group of candles, the glow would light this whole area. (laughs) Thanks, Don. We can accomplish more for Christ together than we can as individuals. Finally, point number four. Community is the lab for growth. Any of you in school, you have your lecture class and you have your lab class? Remember that? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I'm living it. And the lab is designed to be a place where you put it into practice, where you try it, where you take the theory and put it into practice. Community and getting get together as community, that's where we put it into practice. That's where we take the, the theory and say, okay, God, what, what do you want to do through this? It's iron sharpening iron. Proverbs 27.17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Literally, the wording he uses is to sharpen a face of someone else. And, and the word for sharpen there is a fierce, a fierce sharpening. So this is not always pleasant. It's sometimes very painful, but God has designed that we will grow as we are in community. Colossians 2.19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. You can look up Hebrews 3.12 and 13. But being in community is one of the tools and the primary tool that God uses to sanctify us, to refine us. When we are alone and when we try to live our Christian walks alone, it is so much easier to be prideful. It is so much easier to think of ourselves and become self-centered. It's like when a couple has been living alone for most of their lives and they get married later in life. There's more challenges because you are used to living life a certain way. The same is true of the Christian walk. 
God has designed it to where we sharpen each other. Where we exhort each other. That's the Hebrews 3 passage. But so many times we think, well, I'm too mature to be with them. Or, you know, there's, there's nothing there for me to learn. Because we think that it's all about head knowledge. And that is a lie from the devil. Because it's about what can I give? How can I minister? How can I help someone else grow? How can other people help me grow? See, people around us expose things either intentionally with their words or unintentionally just by living life that we have to deal with. And God has said, be in community to grow. Jeffrey and Mark yesterday were with me and passing a Starbucks and one of them said, let's buy mommy a mocha. She hasn't had a mocha in a while. Okay, and we pull in the mocha and I'm telling, teaching the boys, this is great, we're doing something for someone else. And we get middle of the drive through and one of the boys said, well, what about for the kids? <laughs> so this isn't about the kids. This is about doing something for mommy. She works hard and does wonderful things and we need to thank her. Tears. And it became this teachable moment in community of reaching out and doing something for someone else and not assuming that it's all about me. But so many times in a church, we're back to the question, what do I want Village to be? And we expect it to be all about me. And it may not be about you at all. But what God wants to do through you. Four points that bring us to why community is important. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to be starting community groups. An opportunity to live life together. To be in each other's homes. To study God's Word together. And there's four things that will be part of every community group. And the schedule might look a little different, but every community group will have four things. And one of those is an empty chair. An empty chair. Like what? One of the goals is always to be reaching out to our own communities, to those that don't know Christ, but also to others within the church. To not be ingrown and say, it's us, we're done, woohoo! But to always be looking outside of ourselves. Second part of every community group will be care. And I want to say pastoral care because pastoral care really should be body care. If it's all up to me, we're sunk. There's too many of us. It's not my job as a pastor to care into, I, to be the only one that cares for everyone in the body. My job is to, to equip you to care for each other. And in community groups, that care can happen as we're knit together, as we pray for each other, as we're involved in each other's lives. Third thing that every community group will have is a time of prayer. Sharing prayer requests, praying for each other, maybe even being answers to those prayers and meeting needs. Fourth thing every community group will have is the majority of their time studying God's Word. Because that's the foundation. And that's how we learn from each other. 
And many of the community groups that we're starting, we're going to try as we start the series on Mark, we're going to try something called sermon-based community groups, where the study will be an extension of Sunday morning sermon, where it'll take some of the thoughts and put them into practice and, and be a time of interaction and discussion where we can dig and go deeper. I would encourage you to consider it. In your worship folder, there's a card that says, yes, I'd love to be part of a community group. Again, this is an interest level as we're forming them, just trying to find out about how many people are interested. There's a basket in the back that you can drop those off. But consider it. I know full well that we have probably half the group here that are extroverts. They're like, woohoo! It's about time! We've needed this for years! And there's probably a third of you that are like, you're hammering me and that's not me. Knock it off. And I just want to say, you don't have to be an extrovert to be a Christian. As I share this, one of the fears is that that's what comes across. You don't have to be the life of the party. You don't have to be one that that is energized by people. You might be energized by time alone. And for you, community might look a little different. Maybe it's just one or two people. Maybe it's that you go deep with. But that's okay because that's how God has made you. The point is we're to be in community. However God has made us to be in community. I've got to say, in every group that I've done, there's always been a mix of extroverts and introverts. And yeah, the, 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 the introverts don't say a lot. But when they do, it is so powerful and such a blessing. And they are ministering to the group in that way. So I don't know where you fall on the continuum. I'm not going to take a raise, a raise of hands. But understand that that's how God has made you, and so it'll look a little different depending on how God has made you. And that's okay. But consider being part of community here at Village. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, Lord, we worship You. We thank You for dying on the cross for our sins that we can be a community of brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray that You would help us to be knit together. That we are not just a Sunday morning church but we are a church in every sense of every part of our lives. That we become the people in the church you want us to be rather than that we want us to be. Not our will, Lord, but yours be done. In your name.